get started. If uh, everybody could find a seat. I hope everybody that's a temperature in here, this lesson is for you. We're going to spend the next two weeks leading up to Thanksgiving looking at the topic of gratitude. We'll start today by looking at the opposite of gratitude, which is complaining. Or, depending on what version of scripture you're using, uh, your version of scripture might say grumbling or murmuring. The nice thing about teaching on the topic of complaining is that if uh, anybody doesn't like the lesson, it's unlikely they'll say anything about it. So that's, that's kind of perfect. Um, and to be transparent as we dive into the subject of complaining, um, this is a, a sin that I struggle with, right? So this isn't one that I come before you and I'm like, hey, I've got this all figured out. Let me share with you what I've learned about how to never complain again. Um, I kind of expect life to go a certain way, and when it doesn't, I have a tendency to complain about it. So this lesson isn't really so much for all of you. This lesson is for me, and you guys are all invited to listen in as I talk to myself about how to complain less. Uh, you're welcome. And you guys will have an opportunity to talk as well and to help me become less of a complainer. Uh, let me open us in prayer, and then, uh, and then we'll dive right in. Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for giving us the privilege of coming together uh, to study your word. Um, God, forgive us uh, for all the times that we have complained. Uh, help us to be people that are filled with gratitude, uh, that are thankful for all you have done and continue to do in our lives. God, you are good, and uh, I pray that um, we would never lose sight of that. In Jesus' name, amen. So I put together a list of things that we as humans like to complain about, uh, and I left something off the list that uh, now I can put at the top of the list, which was the church was cold, right? Top of the list, church is cold. Other things people complain about, the sermon was too long, or the sermon was too short. The worship team didn't sing my favorite song this week. In fact, they never sing my favorite song. The church service is scheduled every week at the worst possible time. Sunday school was boring, right? How about outside of church, right? We complain about the boss. We complain about... Um, we complain about our coworkers. We complain about customers, right? We complain about everything at work. How about annoying family members? We do complain about annoying family members, right? And every family has one, and if you don't know who it is in your family, you can connect the dots. We complain about people driving slowly in the left lane, or we complain because we're the one driving slowly in the left lane, and we're complaining about the impatient drivers that are passing us on the right. We complain about Republicans, Democrats, and Independents. We complain about people who care too much about politics, or we complain about people who don't care enough about politics. We complain about the weather. We complain about bad customer service or slow customer service. In other words, we as humans collectively complain about pretty much everything and everyone. So first question for this morning, it appears we have heat, um, so we, can, we don't have to complain anymore about the heat. First question uh, for group discussion this morning, what does God think about complaining? How does God feel about that? Very good, it's a sin. Anybody want to expand on that? Okay. Uh, What, how does God feel about complaining? We complain, it's like, oh, sorry. It's like telling God he's not doing it right. Good. Um, that's been something I've been convicted of um, lately. I, I don't know where I heard it, but just that it's, 
you know, it's so natural to us, like you said, to just complain about everything. Yeah. But if we believe in the sovereignty of God, then that means God's allowing things to be the way they are. So Good. it's like saying, yeah, God, you're not doing it right, or you're not doing it the way I want. And so it's really a sin against his character. Good. Good. And we'll definitely uh, dive a little bit more into that as we go on. Um, as we think about how God feels about complaining, think for a moment about the story of the Israelites. So their story as a nation kind of starts out in Egypt, right? They're, they're sl- and obviously we could go back a little bit further to Abraham, but really where they started to have numbers um, and be a, a whole people group was in Egypt. And the Egyptians treated them terribly, right? They, they were slaves. They did slave labor. They, did, they were not living the good life. God shows up and miraculously frees the Israelites from slavery, right? You know, we've all read Exodus. We know about the, the, the plagues and all that stuff. God leads his people out of Egypt, giving them this huge victory, delivering them from the, uh, from the Egyptians. And then after uh, the Israelites were freed, Pharaoh changes his mind and sends his army to go get them. And then what does God do? He parts the Red Sea, the Israelites walk through on dry ground, and then the Red Sea closes in over the top of the Egyptians and takes them all out. And it wasn't just that God had freed them from slavery for the purpose of them. It's not like God didn't have a plan. It's not like they were just going to wander around forever and, you know, who knows what we're doing after this. No. God had, God had promised them the promised land. God had promised them a land flowing with milk and honey and an inheritance, a great place for them to go. So you, if you think about it, this is kind of a like rags to riches type of story. These Israelites have started off as slaves, they were, and they were on their way to being given the promised land. What, what more could they have possibly asked for? Not only that, but on their journey to the promised land, God is giving them food, right? They're getting manna from heaven every single day to feed them, and they're getting water, and uh, he's taking care of all of their needs. So at this point in Israel's story, you would think that if we were to take a snapshot of what's going on in, the, uh, in their camps, you would think that it would be nothing but continual praise and worship. That seems like that would be the appropriate response based on all God had done and all God was continuing to do. Uh, take your Bible and turn to Numbers 11. We're going to see how this worship service is going for them. Numbers chapter 11. We will be starting in verse 1 once you get there. And remember, the question that we are answering as we read this this morning is how does God feel about complaining? Numbers 11, starting in verse 1. And the people complained in the hearing of the Lord about their misfortunes. And when the Lord heard it, his anger was kindled, and the fire of the Lord burned among them and consumed some outlying parts of the camp. Then the people cried out to Moses, and Moses prayed to the Lord, and the fire died down. So the name of that place was called Tibera, because the fire of the Lord burned among them. Now the rabble that was among them had a strong craving, and the people of Israel also wept again and said, Oh, that we had meat to eat. We remember the fish we ate in Egypt that cost us nothing the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic. 
But now our strength is dried up, and there's nothing to look at but all this manna. Now, the manna was like coriander seed, and its appearance like that of bedellum. The people went about and gathered it and ground it in handmills or beat it in mortars and boiled it in pots of water and made cakes of it. And the taste of it was like the taste of cakes baked with oil. When the dew fell upon the camp in the night, the manna fell with it. When Moses heard the people weeping, okay, pause for a second. They're complaining so much they are literally crying. Think about the the level of like self-pity and complaining that's going on here. When Moses heard the people weeping throughout their clans, everyone at the door of his tent, and the anger of the Lord blazed hotly, and Moses was displeased. Moses said to the Lord, why have you dealt ill with your servant? And why have I not found favor in your sight that you lay the burden of all this people on me? Did I conceive all these people? Did I give them birth that you should say to me, carry them in your bosom as a nurse, as a nurse carries a nursing child to the land that you swore to give to their fathers? Where am I to get meat to give all this people? For they weep before me and say, give us meat that we, that we may eat. I am not able to carry all this people alone. The burden is too heavy for me. If you treat me like this, kill me at once. If I find favor in your sight, that I may not see my wretchedness. Skip down to verse 31. Then a wind from the Lord sprang up, and it brought quail from the sea, and let them fall beside the camp, about a day's journey on this side, and a day's journey on the other side, around the camp, and about two cubits above the ground. And the people rose all that day, and all night, and all the next day, and gathered the quail. Those who gathered, gathered at least ten homers, and they spread them out for themselves all around the camp. All right, pay close attention to verse 33 here. While the meat was yet between their teeth, before it was consumed, the anger of the Lord was kindled against the people, and the Lord struck down the people with a very great plague. Therefore, the name of that place was called, you get it, Uh, because there they buried the people who had the craving. So I think from that passage, um, we see how God feels about complaining. After all God had done for them, these people were complaining about the food God had given them to eat. It's not that they were complaining they didn't have food, they just didn't like the food God had given them. How many of you are parents and you've had this experience with your child? Right? You give them food, I don't want that food, I want something else. Well, that's what the Israelites were doing here. And how does God respond? He responds with judgment. The people who had done the complaining died, it says, while the meat was between their teeth. In other words, they they were still chewing. Like, they bite into this meat, and immediately God's judgment comes uh, on them. Don't miss this. These, you know, we we, we read the Bible, and this all happened so long ago that it, it doesn't feel real to us. But these were real people. These were people whose lives were ended by God on that day. They were mothers, fathers, sons, daughters, grandparents, etc. These were people like you and I. And their complaining was so offensive to God that he ended their lives in an instant. Okay, but this is numbers, and currently the year is 2022. Surely God has gotten a little bit more tolerant of complaining uh, since the book of Numbers, right? After all, you know, God, I don't know, maybe, maybe he's matured a little bit. What do you guys think? Does God feel the same way about complaining today that he did here, or has God changed? Very good. 
Yeah, so if, uh, if you didn't hear, because it was uh, uh, not on the microphone, it's, Scripture says that God does not change. God does not change. So why is this text of Scripture, why is this passage in Numbers even here for us? Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. We're going to read the first 11 verses of 1 Corinthians 10. And uh, just to set this up, um, in the Israelites wandering in the wilderness, there were other instances of God bringing judgment on the Israelites for various sins they were committing, including idolatry, sexual immorality, complaining, more complaining, speaking evil of Moses, all sorts of things that brought uh, judgment on the Israelites. 1 Corinthians 10 is going to address... Um, all of that is kind of one big event, not just the specific chapter we've read. 1 Corinthians 10, starting in verse 1. For I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea and all ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them and the rock was Christ. Nevertheless, with most of them, God was not pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. All right, now pay attention to verse 6 here. Now, these things took place as examples for us, that we might not desire evil as they did. Do not be idolaters as some of them were. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. We must not indulge in sexual immorality as some of them did, and 23,000 fell in a single day. We must not put Christ to the test, as some of them did, and were destroyed by serpents, nor grumble, as some of them did, and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now these things happened to them as an example, but they were written down for our instruction, on whom the end of ages has come. This tells us that God put all this in Scripture, not for our entertainment or amusement, but as an example to us we see in Scripture how seriously God takes complaining. Complaining is one of these sins that I think a lot of times we have a tendency to view as relatively minor. It's sort of one of those, like, acceptable um, types of sins. But we see here how offensive it is to God. So our first, like, big discussion question uh, for this morning is, why is complaining such a bad thing? And I've got one, two... Three, four, five, six, seven. I think I've got seven answers. So my challenge to you all is to see if you can get all seven and then something cool that's not on my list. So why is complaining such a bad thing? Pastor's uh, got his hand up first. Um, so Psalm 78 gives us kind of a... Um, like it recaptures this event. And so Psalm 78, beginning in verse 17, just so we know that he's talking about the same event, yet they sinned still more against him. Rebelling against the Most High in the desert, they tested God in their heart by demanding the food they craved. So we know that this is a heart testing. They spoke against God, saying, Can God spread a table in the wilderness? So they're testing him. He struck the rock so that water gushed out and streams overflowed. Can he also give bread or provide meat for his people? 
Verse 21, therefore, when the Lord heard, he was full of wrath. A fire was kindled against Jacob. His anger rose against Israel because they did not believe in God and did not trust in his saving power. And so 21 gives us a good summary as to what it was. It was they were testing the Lord from the heart because they didn't believe in him even after all that he had done and proven himself to be. And they didn't trust in his saving power. Like he did that stuff before, but can he continue to do more for us and really kind of meet our needs? So now they're turning God into... Um, a person for their own personal provision and pleasure, and that's obviously a very wrong and bad thing to do. Good. Yeah, and um, so you've, uh, you've got the number one item on my list, um, and I think that this wa- if this was Family Feud, this would be like the one with the, with the most points attached to it. Um, this, I think, is the most important reason why complaining is bad. Um, uh, I'll get to you in one second. Uh, let me give my explanation of this, and then, um, and then we'll go from there. So, when I go to an Oregon State football game and I complain about the, uh, the referees at the game, I am saying that one of two things is true about these Pac-12 referees. Either they're incompetent and they're like unable to know the right thing to do. They, they, they missed the call because they're blind, they were looking the other way or whatever, or they're corrupt. They knew the right call to make and they chose to make the wrong one, right? If I'm complaining about the referees, it's one of those two things is my argument. The same is true of God. When we complain, we're either saying he's incompetent, he either doesn't know what we need or he's not able to give us what we need, or he's corrupt. He knows what we need, he knows the good that we need, and he chooses to withhold it from us. Right? That's the argument we're making about God. He's either incompetent or he's corrupt. Every time we complain, that's what we're saying to God. Can you see how this might be offensive to God in light of all he has done for us? Romans 8.28 says that God works all things together for our good. When we complain, we're denying that reality. And we're arguing that God is either unable or unwilling to fulfill that promise. Um, There are more reasons that complaining is such a bad thing. And we will uh, will discuss some of those. But I think this is really the, the central one and the reason that this sin is so offensive and uh, earned the Israelites the, the judgment that it got them. I feel like that um, when we complain, we're showing a general attitude of unthankfulness. Good. First. Good. Yeah, um, we're we're showing we're showing uh, unthankfulness and and right and so uh, this week we're looking at complaining. Next week we'll be looking at, at gratitude and you know Scripture gives us a lot of put off this and put on this in its place. Um, and so this week we're looking at the put off, put off complaining. Next week we're going to look at the put on, which is put on thankfulness, put on gratitude, be thankful for, um, for what God has done. I mean, do you really think if the Israelites were in the desert worshiping God, focused on giving him thanks for all he had done in getting them out of Egypt, do you really think they would have been complaining about not having meat? Probably not. Right? But they had apparently forgotten what, what he had done, or it wasn't at the front of their minds. And so now they're, they're coveting something else, and they're in complaining. Why else is complaining such a bad thing? I have six more. I think when we complain, we're just looking at our own self-satisfaction. Uh, Great. And not thinking of the positive side that God has uh, done for us. Great. 
Um, yes, uh, that is number three on my list. Um, it reveals our pride. So complaining is ultimately an attitude that I deserve better, right? We complain out of a sense of self-importance. Complaining says that others exist to serve me rather than the other way around. And that can be true of God as well, right? Complaining to God says that God exists to serve me and he's supposed to be meeting my needs rather than me serving him and worshiping him. So let me give you a practical example of this. Suppose you go to a restaurant and your waitress gets your order wrong. Is it a sin to politely ask the waitress to correct the thing that was wrong? No. But if your tone becomes whiny and hostile, you're manifesting pride, right? You've apparently decided that you getting the correct meal that you ordered is more important than treating your waitress with kindness. In other words, your needs are more important than her needs, right? You see the, the, the pride that's associated with that, the arrogance that's associated with that, and that's what happens when we complain. We're putting ourselves first. Good. What are some other reasons that complaining is wrong? Hello. This question made me think of two passages. Okay. Um, first, in Job, okay. at the end of Job, when... God is like, <laughs> I literally am in control of everything. I'm God. Like, do you know right. when the mountain goats give birth? Do you know when anything is happening? Like, you know, pretty much putting Job in his place of like, I am the creator and sustainer of all things. Who are you to be complaining against me? And then along that same track in Romans chapter nine, when Paul says, um, who are you, O oh man, to answer back to God? Well, what is molded say to its molder? Why have you made me like this? Like, Simply, God is God. We are man. We're a created being. So who are we to complain against he who created and sustains all things? Good. No, and that's, uh, well, congratulations. You got one that's not on my list. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a total um, uh, inversion of the order of creation, right? That, you know, kind of, kind of, kind of ties in with our pride a little bit. That who, who are we to think that we can talk back to God? and tell him that he's doing things incorrectly and that he, he really needs to pay attention and you know, take our feedback more seriously, right? That's, that's not a good attitude for, for us to have. All right, let me give you a few more because I've got an even harder, this, is, this was the easy question, I've got a harder question later. So um, let me give you uh, the other ones and then we'll, we'll keep moving. Um, turn to, actually I will just read this for you for the sake of time. Philippians chapter two Paul says, do all things, notice the word all, I didn't look up the Greek, we could ask pastor on it, but it probably means all, do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. So the, the, the grumbling there is tied to our witness, right? We're supposed to be shining as lights in the world. And when we are complaining, we are doing a very poor, our light is shining very dimly. Um, so I'll give you an example of this. I used to work at a retail store up in Oregon. And uh, one day I spotted a customer who was absolutely berating my manager. I mean, he was angry. His face was bright red. His, his tone uh, was very intense. His voice was elevated. He was mad. There's something to do with a phone he had bought and it wasn't what he wanted or something. He was going off on my manner. He just completely lost it. He was also wearing a t-shirt with a Christian message on it. I was so embarrassed. 
and these, these are coworkers who, you know, who were witnessing this, who I had been praying for their salvation. Some of them I had even been sharing the gospel with. I really wanted these people to come to faith. And here's somebody who's, you know, supposedly on my team making an absolute fool of himself. You know, I, 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 I kid you not, I, I didn't do it but I was because I probably would have been fired, but I was very tempted to pull the guy aside and say, look, you either need to change your attitude or you need to change your shirt, right? What I really wanted to do was buy him an Oregon Ducks shirt and be like, make them look bad. Don't make the church look bad. Make the Oregon Ducks look bad. But I thought, man... Does he really not see that this small issue he's having with this phone is apparently more important to him than how he is acting as an ambassador for Christ? And I'm, I'm really tempted to judge him very strongly for that, but yet how often do I do the same thing? Now, I don't go into stores and you know, start flipping over tables and yelling at managers and things like that. But what about when my boss makes a decision I don't like? And I go back to my desk and I complain to all my co- and I can't believe it. Is he stupid? Why does he have to make decisions like this? Does he not see how this affects people? You know, when I do that, am I not doing the same thing? No one wants to be around a complainer, unless you yourself are complaining and then you love to be around other people that are doing the same. But if you're not complaining, you don't want to be around a complainer. And no one respects a complainer. And so when we complain, we are damaging our Christian witness. Um, another one is it leads to other sins. Complaining not only is a manifestation of pride, but it fuels pride as well. Um, of course, pride leads to a host of other sins. So let me give you a practical example of this. Suppose a man complains often about his wife. He's frustrated that she disrespects him, isn't being the wife he wants her to be. He always wanted a wife who cooks dinner every night, but she doesn't like to cook. He grumbles and complains about how terrible of a wife he is. She is. Do you think that such a man is setting himself up to not only cheat on his wife, but to feel justified in doing so? After all, if she isn't holding up her end of the bargain, then why should he? It's really her fault. She made him commit adultery. Now, we can sit here in Sunday school and we're like, well, that's really stupid. That's, that's evil. That's not the right way of looking at that. But how often have we gone from complaining about something to justifying sin on our part? Well, you know, he, he made me lash out in anger because of what he had done to me, right? Once we start complaining, we give ourselves permission to sin in other ways. Here's another one from the passage we saw in Numbers 11. It discourages our leaders. How did Moses feel about the people complaining? You remember how Moses responded in Numbers 11? He asked God to kill him. That's how discouraged he was. He was like, I can't take it. Just wipe me out. I don't, I don't want to have anything more to do with these people. How would you like to be the person who brings that level of discouragement on the elders of this church or on your parents or on your boss or on somebody else that you bring such misery by your complaining that they just want out? They don't... It's, it's not a joy for them, to, for them to be a leader anymore. Two more. It's contagious. Somebody in Israel had to be the first one to start complaining, and then somebody else was the second, and it spread until it became widespread. A lot of times when we complain, we give other people permission to complain, and we lead them into sin. And then finally, it's foolish. Proverbs 29.11. A fool gives full vent to his spirit but a wise man quietly holds it back, right? And in America, 
we think that venting is a, is a virtue. I just need to get something off my chest, you know? That's, scripture says, no, you should keep that, keep that right where it is. Keep those cards close to the vest. Do not vent your spirit. But we think that venting is, is virtuous. So, that leads me to my next question for the group. Can a person complain silently? Do you have to talk to be complaining? Go for it. No. <laughs> because? You, um, I mean, if you have any dissatisfaction in your heart and harboring any feelings of grumbling or complaining, I mean, that's just as bad. I mean, that's where it starts. Good. And uh, you said a key word there that I really want to focus on, um, and this is going to lead us into the, the second half of, um, second half, more like towards the end of our lesson. Um, really, all of this is a matter of the heart, right? Jesus said that out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. The problem with complaining, it doesn't start with the words coming out of your mouth. It starts with the heart condition that produces the words. You can sin in other ways um, because of complaining that's going on in your heart. So um, I ask this because some people respond to frustrating things differently. Some people like me are pretty vocal. So if things don't go their way, they will loudly complain. Others are less vocal and more likely to punish you with ice-cold silence. This is the classic, you should know what you did wrong, and if you don't, I'm not telling you. Isn't that a form of complaining? It is, because complaining is ultimately an issue of the heart. Remember that God judges our hearts, not just our words and actions. Before we ever open our mouths to complain, we've already been complaining to ourselves in our minds, regardless of whether that sin, sinful heart manifests manifests itself in audible complaining or silent withdrawal, it is sin. So let me give you a scenario to see if this makes more sense, and this will tie a few of uh, these points we've made together. So consider this scenario. You're frustrated with a coworker. This coworker has a real talent for getting under your skin. Just little things, like leaving just a little bit of coffee in the bottom of the pot, so there's like a quarter of a cup, and then they don't have to make the next pot, right? Or crunching chips loudly at their desk and annoying you, right? Just whatever it is, this person is just always under your skin. You silently tolerate it because you, you don't really want to be seen as a complainer. You don't really want to be seen as confrontational. So you just kind of, you know, let things go. But on the inside, your heart is full of grum grumbling. Your heart is full of complaining. You're constantly rehearsing to yourself all these things that this person does that annoys you. You've decided that you can't stand this person, and just on the inside, it's just a constant stream. Am I the only one who does this? Maybe I'm the only one who does this, okay? So your, your heart is just a constant stream of, of frustration with this person. And then, one day, you get the idea, I'm going to do something to get under this person's skin. And you do it, and you're, and you're kind of hoping that they say something, because you've got your response ready. You're, you're, you're hoping they give you the opening. You're hoping they, they say, well, why did you do this? Because you're ready. And you're going to say, well, you, you think I'm the problem? You're the one who does this, 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 and this. And you're here to complain about right? You're ready for that mic drop moment. You're ready to just drop the hammer on this person. And you're just daring them. Oh, I hope you say something about this. Am I the only one that ever does that? Does that, now I'm single, so I wouldn't know. Does that ever happen in marriage? I'll, uh, I didn't hear any amens, so we'll, <laughs> we'll move on. Notice a few things that this ties together with some that we've already talked about. Your pride has you thinking about yourself and how this coworker has dared to annoy you. 
right? So this is really all about you. You're not loving this coworker, right? In fact, scripture would say that you're actually hating this coworker and you're damaging your witness, not only to this coworker, but all the other coworkers who see what's going on. You're using your complaint to justify other sins. And in all of this, you're not seeking to glorify God or love your neighbor. What you're really seeking is to gratify your heart's sinful desires. Now, at this point, you haven't said a word of complaint. All this sin, all this problem that you're having, and you haven't verbalized any of this uh, until you get your opportunity for the mic drop moment. All right, uh, before we move on to our final point, any questions or comments on that section or anything we've discussed so far? Okay. My last question, and this might be the hardest question of the morning. So hopefully, uh, now that the heat is flowing in here, hopefully everybody's awake and brains are stimulated and we're ready to go on this. Does this mean that Christians only say positive and uplifting things? Do we always have a smile on our face and does nothing ever bother us? And I ask this and I'm seeing heads shaking because you can, you can take a subject like complaining and come to the conclusion that, well, whatever happens, we always look at the silver lining, we always look at the bright side, we're, we're never disappointed, we're never upset, we're always just happy about everything. So, can anybody tell me why that's not the case? How do we know that Christians don't always just say positive, uplifting, happy things? Well, I'll give you a few, but under the condition that you guys have to answer my last question, because it's even harder than this one, all right? We have a book of the Bible called Lamentations. It's an entire book of the Bible is devoted to lamenting. Um, things that are going on. Many of the Psalms express frustration with current circumstances. And then what about Jesus? He's described in Isaiah as a man of sorrows. Not only that, on the cross he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That almost could sound like a complaint, right? He asked questions of his disciples like, how long am I to bear with you? Right? In 2022 speak, that might be, how long do I have to put up with you people? Right? So Jesus didn't just say happy things all the time. Sometimes he rebuked people for sin. Sometimes he lamented the condition of things that were going on around him. So this is the hard question. How do we know the difference? How are we to know when the words that we speak that are negative about something that's happening, how do we know if that's a, a, a godly expression of lament or if we're complaining and we're in sin? In the back, I see a hand first, and then uh, over here for the next one. Well, like you said, um, in the, a lot of the Psalms and in Lamentations, you see like this heartfelt cry out to the Lord, saying, and um, I just think of Psalm 13, where it says, how long, or Lord, would you forget me forever? And the first part is about, um, you know, all of his griefs and sorrows, but it, he always ends, like all, all the Psalms, where he does pour out his heart, in that yeah. way he ends, but I have trusted in your steadfast love, my heart shall rejoice in your salvation, I will sing to the Lord, because he has dealt bountifully with me, so I think the heart attitude is still always directed, um, 
the psalmist is not afraid to complain to God, but, sti- but will look to God for the answer. Great. Very, very, very good uh, wisdom in there. I saw another hand on this side. Mine is the same as Jones. <laughs> um, take it to the Lord in prayer. So uh, any kind of concerns or complaints or issues that we're having, because we, we go through difficult times, and instead of complaining to others, take it to the Lord Good. and ask for his guidance in those things, because that's good. what he has for us at that time. Very good. I think, too, it kind of goes along the lines of righteous indignation when you're angry about something where anger, the anger of men does not achieve the righteousness of God except when it's righteously angry. And I think the thing is for complaining or grumbling about something is if it's something that's offensive to God and you're grumbling about it or complaining about what's happening around you because it's an offense to him too. I think you can put that in the same kind of category as righteous indignation. You're, you're upset about what people are doing in offense to God or his people. Good. Yeah, and notice in, in um, and that's, that's a very good point. Notice that in the examples I gave you of complaining, sinful complaining, what was the focus? Who was the person who had been offended? It was the person doing the complaining, and they were upset because they had been inconvenienced, they had been annoyed, whatever. They were upset on their own behalf, whereas righteous indignation is, I'm upset because this offends God. There's a big difference there between, now, you know, all of us have this little lawyer that, that likes to, uh, you know, that, that, that likes to convince us that what we're doing is right. So, you know, there, there's really a lot of hard work there, you know, so when, when you are frustrated, you know, can you make an excuse and say, well, I'm not really angry because they're, I'm not angry with my boss because he's sinning against me. I, I'm, I'm angry with my boss because this is an offense to God that I have to work late on a Friday. Well, mm, right? So we, we have to be careful with that, that we're not using that as an excuse. But ask yourself, who, who, who am I angry on behalf of? Who am I upset on behalf of? Who am I complaining on behalf of? Is it on behalf of myself because I've been offended, because I've been annoyed, because I've been wrong? Or am I upset because God has been wronged? That's a very good point. Any other thoughts on this? I just forgot what I was going to say by the time Sam was there and came to hear. So, but thank you for your lesson, uh, Jared. That, that's all. No, I, I, I do have a thought. 1 Corinthians 12, 7, it says, we've been given, and it's an interesting verse, we've been given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. And then in Galatians chapter 5, it says, there's this battle that exists between the Spirit and the flesh. Mm-hmm. There's this battle that exists between you and the Spirit of God. And that's what Paul's identifying in Romans chapter 7, it, this wretched man that I am. It's this battle that exists. And I just think you're, you're helping us, you know, we're, we're talking about a good reminder here. How, how do we know the difference um, between complaining and then uh, having a legitimate point? And I think all those fruits of the Spirit, Galatians chapter 5, being kind, being in self-control, being loving, being patient, being, so you can have a legitimate complaint, you just have to frame it godly 
yeah. you have to make sure it's godly. And this, the manifestation of the Spirit has been given to every one of us. That's a passive thing. In other words, He has acted upon us to be manifested in us. And so we have to be careful to do that. So Good. appreciate your lesson. Yeah, and I, oh, pastor's got one. Yeah, I, I would just summarize it of saying lamentation is God-centered and complaining is man-centered, self-centered. And that's one of the, you know, how you can really tell the distinction between the two. Good. Great. Um, yeah, and I, you know, I would just say on a, on a practical, like my experience level, if I'm complaining sinfully, I have a really hard time praying about it. Like, I just kind of want to, like, I know that it's a manifestation of my flesh, and I don't want to take it to God, right? Whereas when, when something upsets me that is God-centered, it's a lot easier to pray about it. So maybe that would be a good question. You know, when you're tempted to complain about something, can I take this to God? Do I feel like I have a, um, a, a pure heart before God to bring this issue to him? Or do I feel like, nope, 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 I'm angry and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to go off on this person and I'm going to leave God out of it. Because that, that might tell you a little bit about what's going on in your heart. I have just a couple of examples here um, that I wanted to give uh, and then we'll wrap up. Um, one thing that's not a sin is to lament sin and the effects of sin. So let me give like just a practical example of how this might play out. Um, suppose that you get the flu and you're, st you're st stuck at home for several days, and you're missing things that are important to you. Maybe there was like a family event or something like that, and you're frustrated with it. And man, I don't like having the flu. I don't like being sick. This is, this is not good. But while you're frustrated with it, you remind yourself that sickness is a consequence of the fall, and that someday we will be in heaven where there is no more sickness, thanks to Jesus' death in our place for our sin. You reflect on the goodness of God, in the midst of life in a fallen world. You know that God will bring good out of this, even though it's unpleasant in the moment. Your heart is humble and worshipful to God, right? And so there, yeah, I'm, I'm not happy with the fact that I have the flu, but I'm not, I'm not upset with God. I'm not questioning God's goodness. In fact, this is giving me an opportunity to reflect on God's goodness, right? You see, you see the difference there, and um, so therefore it's not sin. And this is, you know, if you read through the Psalms, this is how a lot of the Psalms read, and, uh, and you uh, brought that up nicely. David starts out with something that frustrates him, but by the end of the Psalm, what is he doing? He's worshiping God, and he's, he's talking about the attributes of God and the excellence of God. Um, another category, it's not a sin to lovingly call someone out on their sin. This is not to say that when somebody sins against you, well, don't complain about that, just let it go. Well, no, that's not what Scripture says. Um, so, for example, a brother in Christ sins against you. You're annoyed right? Because sin is typically annoying when, it, when you're on the receiving end of it. And you're tempted to grumble to others about it. Instead, you pray for your brother and ask God to lead him to repentance. You ask God to give you a heart of love towards your fellow Christian. Then you go to him and you humbly address the sin. Your ultimate goal is the glory of God and the good of your friend. You're not there to air your grievance or to get something off your chest. You're there because you want to see your friend repent of sin and be restored to a right relationship with God. And then uh, my last category, it's not a sin to address a wrong situation and seek a solution to it. So let's say, for example, you live near a school zone and you've noticed that people drive way too fast through the school zone. So you go to a town hall meeting and you say, hey, people drive way too fast through the school zone. I would recommend putting patrols there more often to uh, catch the speeders and to keep these kids safe. That's not a sin, right? That's being a good citizen. Um, but there again, 
you're not just grumbling about it, you're there to offer a solution. Hey, this is a problem and, and here's my proposed solution. It, you're, not just, you're not just airing grievances or getting something off your chest, you're seeking a solution to something. Um, we could probably spend hours discussing the differences between a, a godly lament, addressing situations, things like that, versus sinful grumbling, um, but we're gonna have to uh, wrap up the lesson here. The important part um, that a lot of you said so well is it's really a matter of the heart. Is your heart in a, um, are you focused on the flesh? Are you focused on, um, are you being selfish in this? Or are you focused on the glory of God? So, complaining is a sin that God takes seriously. It's one that we tend to take lightly, but it can do a ton of damage and it can come with serious consequences. As we learn from Numbers 11, it can even be deadly. So what's the remedy? Well, the remedy is gratitude. The more thankful we are for all the ways that God has shown his kindness towards us and the more undeserving we know we are, the less we will complain. But, more on that next week. Heavenly Father, thank you so much um, for all that you have done for us. Forgive us, God, for all of our complaining. Um, God, you are good. And uh, we so easily forget your goodness. We so easily forget all the good things that you've done for us, all the good gifts you've given us. Forgive us for that, God. Um, give us hearts of gratitude. Give us hearts of worship to you. And um, help us to be a people who are ambassadors for you, who don't complain, um, but who uh, worship you in all circumstances. Uh, help us as we go into the service in a few minutes, God, um, to truly and genuinely worship you during the time of singing and to uh, learn uh, from the sermon this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.